Wow. I'm about to share with you a conversation that uh, I could have continued for a long time. Uh, a woman named Kay Rubichak. First person I've met, I think, <clears throat> who's been in a Chinese prison, Chinese Communist Party prison. She was there <clears throat> arrested for holding up a sign that effectively said, peace, love, and understanding. And that's, you can't do that there. Her family has fled communism in three countries, from three countries. She is an artist by training, had been a marketer, and now a filmmaker, documentary filmmaker. You'll see her work on the Epic Times, etc. And she knows more about tyranny than, than I thought one could know. But then again, she spent a lifetime studying it. And I shouldn't have been taken back, but I was, as I asked her about the United States breaching tyranny, how do we know when it happens? Like, how do we know when we're actually in it? I mean, I think we're getting there. We are facing tyranny today. And and you see it, you see it in suicide numbers. You see it in a drug overdose. You see it in um, people saying, for example, I saw on the just the Weather Channel the, last week, they said, oh, there's an asteroid that may hit the earth sometime. We didn't, you, you know, it's not, it's very, very unlikely that it will hit the earth, but we didn't see it before coming through that sun's glare. And I read the comments and people saying, hit us now. It's this kind of, um, when, when you see that, when we've crossed the line into giving up, what is overtaking us is, is tyranny. tyranny. Yeah, and, and to hear it that way, that, of course, we have talked at length in this show about record high teen suicides and death and anxiety and depression. But, of course, that would come as a result of tyranny. And she also is well aware that there are people who are, in fact, pushing this and how they're doing it. In fact, one of the things you'll hear is her discussion of the walking dead in China. Not the movie, not being cute. It's a phrase they use over there. It was a fascinating discussion. Really, tyranny is trying to, not trying to, it attacks us from two ways. One is, and, and very strategically and very intentionally, one is psychologically and the other is through our pocketbooks economically. And so the psychological factors is something that we don't really talk about enough because if you follow back, you, you trace those threads of where someone is feeling psychological pressure, where they're feeling anxiety, why they're feeling depression, um, why may they be feeling suicidal? And then you actually trace that back. And so we have such a rise in mental health issues. And I'm not a psychologist, uh, but I've always, I've, I've, I'm trained in marketing and marketing is very much about manipulation of psychology. And that has stemmed from studies in psychiatry and you trace those back. It goes to communism. It goes to socialism. It goes to those who want to play God. Yes, it does. And what's most exciting about this conversation is her focus is not complaints. It's 10 things we can do to fight tyranny today. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And I'm pushing through that uh, nasty year end, starts as allergies, and if I don't catch it right away, it works its way into being a cold. So if I sound weird, 
That's absolutely why. <clears throat> if I sound tinny at the beginning of this interview, it's because of a tech issue, but it clears up. It does. Hey, it is first full week uh, with my pillow, and it is a, a game changer for a podcast our size. The Lord has blessed us being in the top one half of 1% of podcasts, but to have a company like MyPillow now asking us to introduce you to them, it's very, very significant. The sheets, MyPillow, that's what I'm sleeping on now, and I don't want to go back to other sheets. The softness and the freshness and the relaxation. I love that. I love the mental relaxation as well, knowing that I'm sleeping on something made in the United States of America. Mike Lindell could probably make, you know, 30%, 40% more money by just jobbing this out to China or Taiwan or somewhere else. He won't do it. He loves that he employs Americans because Mike knows what it is to need work. And not everybody knows what it is to need work. Mike knows what it is to hurt. Not everybody who has landed and created a company over decades and decades the size of my pillow can even remember what it is to hurt, but Mike knows. So it's peace of mind as well. And then the product, of course, the softness, and I said the freshness. You can go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code Herman for special deep discounts on MyPillow products. It's quality, 100% American made. It's MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use the promo code Herman to get my quality bed sheets for as low as $29.98. Again, my page is mypillow.com slash Herman. Use promo code Herman. And then just think of this. And it's this is just a perfect, perfect setup. This guy's fought tyranny because they're trying to cancel him and he refuses to be canceled. Mike Lindell. Mypillow.com slash Herman. Use my promo code Herman to get discounts on all sorts of products there, especially these amazing sheets, only $29.98. MyPillow.com slash Herman. Okay, Rube Check, welcome to the Todd Herman Show. What a pleasure it is to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. I really appreciate it. It is so meaningful to have someone uh, who has been what you've been through, what you've been through. I, I, you're the only person I know who's been in a Chinese prison camp. Um, and who has witnessed what you've witnessed, and you've gifted us with a book, and I think it's a vital book for people to get. It's called Nowhere Left to Run, um, 10 Steps to Surviving Tyranny, and most of my audience is, is U.S.-based, although we're big in Brazil and Sweden for some reason, and thanks to that, thanks to those folks. How close are we to tyranny in the United States? Well, we have crossed the line into tyranny. That's really the question that we need to be be asking. We are facing tyranny today, and and you see it. You see it in suicide numbers. You see it in a drug overdose. You see it in um, people saying, for example, I saw on the just the Weather Channel the, last week. They said, "Oh, there's an asteroid that." may hit the earth sometime we didn't you, you know it's not it's very very unlikely that it'll hit the earth but we didn't see it before coming through that sun's glare and i read the comments and people saying hit us now it's this kind of um when when you see that when we've crossed the line into giving up what is overtaking us is is tyranny and and it's it's tyranny in so many different forms. Certainly, from a Christian perspective, we can we can see it as a as a battle, a spiritual battle between good and evil. And I, I believe that we are facing tyranny right now. Um, we haven't succumbed to tyranny, but some people have, and more and more people um, ha- have been recognizing that. But I, I think we see the fallout in these 
the, the for, like I mentioned, the suicide yeah. the numbers, depression, anxiety. It's that kind of feeling where we we don't even know that we're being tyrannized, and that's that's the greatest danger. So I think the line of tyranny is hard to define, but I believe we're already facing it right now. Uh, it's so fascinating that you began that uh, by talking about suicide rates and anxiety rates, and I talk about this a lot. Uh, we went through a very scary time with our daughter in, in adolescent mental health. And so I've really studied these rates with kids, but of course, the deaths of despair, it didn't occur to me that that would also be symptomatic of tyranny. That is a fascinating and frightening way to look at it. Uh, the, the, the tyranny begins then mentally, right? It begins in, in the mind. Is that correct? So much so. And what I found, and I, I mentioned this in my book uh, in the introduction because I wanted to give some context and I didn't want the book to be a big long read because fewer people are reading these days. They wouldn't want to be listening and watching to to shows like this, but I, I felt I needed to put this in writing. And in the context that I give at the beginning, I, I focus on two really tyrannies trying to not trying to, it attacks us from two ways. One is, and, and very strategically and very intentionally, one is psychologically and the other is through our pocketbooks economically. And so the psychological factors is something that we don't really talk about enough because if you follow back, you, you trace those threads of where someone is feeling psychological pressure, where they're feeling anxiety, why they're feeling depression, um, why may they be feeling suicidal? And then you actually trace that back. And so we have such a rise in mental health issues. And I'm not a psychologist, uh, but I've always, I've, I've, I'm trained in marketing and marketing is very much about manipulation of psychology. And that has stemmed from studies in psychiatry and you trace those back. It goes to communism. It goes to socialism. It goes to those who want to play God and remake humankind in a whole nother way. And when you trace that back, then you start to link things together and you start to realize when we devalue ourselves, when we devalue other human beings, what are we left with? This is um, humanity against humanity and those with the most, the most money or the most influence seem to be the most powerful when we forget ultimately divine law is, is what, what, what we need uh, to, to set us apart from just man on man trying to uh, find our way through this uh, in this crazy world that we're in. So I, I think it is very much psychological and it's also very intentional that uh, tyrannical strategists, as, as I call them, because they come in so many different forms, but those who want to control us as a populace and, and think they know better, better than us, um, they use psychology very much so to make us devalue ourselves and devalue and dehumanize each other. I think this is one of the reasons I found the COVID response so horrifying. Um, early on, I, I was effectively caused to wait three days before I provided commentary on this as the talk show host. And okay, I got it. Station owners were you know freaking out. Uh, on day three, I came out and said, this is a swindle because they're, uh, the lockdowns were selective. And at that point, I realized, okay, they're not locking anything down. They're just selecting things to extinguish and to harm. And they were churches and they were schools and gyms. But of course, and we know this, you know, not abortion centers and not, not drug labs or, you know, not uh, drug caves, as it were, in the separate country of Seattle from where I, where I was. And I watched people 
responds. And definitely there were maybe two to three camps. And as I read further about this, I came across a study that Harvard did for the government, a very expensive study, about 45,000 subjects on how to use psychology to pressure people into getting the mRNA injections. And I watched people become the thing that we were, we've seen in communist countries of finger pointing and, and turning neighbors in. And I combined that because uh, I'd studied the, uh, the so-called transgender movement for about six, seven years prior to that. I watched people's brains broken into saying, mouthing the words, a man is a woman. And those are the sort of activities that I'd characterize as, hey, once they get you to say, once they get you to lie that a man is a woman or that piece of cloth in your face, you wear it into the restaurant, but you take it off at the table and you're safe. Let me see if you agree with this statement that this is from Mark Stein. He says that tyranny is always capricious and that's a way of breaking the mind. So does that does that resonate with you in, in your book? Oh, it absolutely does. And and on the note of lockdowns, it, you know, one of the biggest lockdowns they did to us was that they locked down debates. They locked down the ability to debate, which locks down our ability to think critically and to have open discussions and really free speech, um, what America is, is founded on. And so when you lock down people mentally, then where do you go to... If, and, and, if, and when you lock down, say, spirituality, you can't go to church, um, where do you go to, to vent, to, to share your fears, to share your uh, worries and concerns when you're afraid that you can't talk to your neighbor about that because they might think that you're one of those crazy people or don't talk to your, um, you know, someone in your family about that because they might uh, tell your, your, your boss or something. And yeah. that's, that is definitely what's happened in examples like China and other cu countries under communism and socialism. And when you see that here, it's like, wow, how did we get to this point? But it did wake up a lot of people up because they saw it. But that mental lockdown has been so powerful. It's so potent that you mention um, what I would view as a, an attack on the churches. I, I can vividly recall the state of Nevada. Oh, we're going to leave the strip clubs and the casinos alone, but we know we're going to keep the churches shut. And if we don't have the ultimate truth on which to stand, which in, in my worldview uh, is the word of God, then we don't have anything to stand on that's not, that's not man-made and man-constructed and therefore can be man-changed. So I would assume that attacks on faith, in fact, I mean, historically attacks on faith come right along with tyranny. Uh, and my question for you is, who is the they? Because I, you know, with all due respect to people who've suffered dementia, my, my mother's husband did for years, my grandfather did late in his life. It's not a funny thing, but Joe Biden doesn't know what he's doing. Joe Biden's not running anything. Who in your minds, Kay, are the people who are the they that are pushing this on us? Yes. Uh, so often I, I've referred to they and I'm like, oh, look, we really have to start calling it what it is. There is the international socialist movement um, and people say, well, socialism doesn't, um, you know, they're, they're against capitalism and they're against big money. Mm -hmm. And that's such a lie. Yeah. It's such a fraud. Yeah. Um, it, it's really capitalist socialism. Um, and it's the, there's, so there's, the they is a lot of people. Um, and it's really those who are willing to either s sell out for you know, corruption and uh, sell out for, for, for the dollar 
or those who really believe that they can play God, um, the the elites in society, or those who want to be in that clique. Because once you once you get sort of accepted into that. I mean, I've lived and worked in Washington DC. I've yeah. I've traveled to, you know, most half the states in this great country and and you know, when you're in a place say for example like Washington DC, I could feel it very quickly after moving there that it's a place that changes you. And it's a place that connects you, disconnects you from reality because you forget what the rest of the country is like and you forget how the rest of the country lives and you get in this insulated bubble where you start to think oh, yes, this this bill is absolutely accurate, and, yes, this lobby money that I'm accepting is absolutely fair and legitimate, you are disconnected from reality and you start to accept that corruption as the way of life and that there is no other way to exist in that environment. So it is that has been taken advantage of, uh, you know, mankind's just ability to our free will to choose um, to be corrupt or not corrupt, and those who choose that have been seduced by the international socialist movement. They've been funded by international banking association uh, groups and cartels that sort of operate like mafia. And so it's big money, it's big government. Uh, those who, you know, they, they use they use the terms like new world order and those things. Those things are no longer a conspiracy, though I don't like to use it because they're so linked yeah. to this sort of right. tinfoil hat type things. But really... To think that people after the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, to think that those who had tasted a bit of success, that socialists had taken over the largest country in the world. They'd taken over Russia with only a few thousand Bolsheviks. They took over the nation and with a few million dollars from Wall Street and Germany, they were able to take over Russia. And when you see they had that success, they went to other countries, and then suddenly this piece of concrete fell in Germany. Berlin Wall came down. And we thought, oh, well, all of those bad guys, they're just, there was never any trials for them, mind you, of course. What happened to those guys? Did they just give up and start to go gardening and just, just you know, <laughs> resign to, you know, retire in their libraries and read books? I don't think yeah. so. So it's continued and that's what we're facing today with the whole new conglomerate of technology that's that's exists right now. Truly, and so well said. And I, I relate this, of course, to the spiritual and that, you know, are we to believe that the, the, the evil forces, spiritual forces that want to collapse mankind because they hate mankind, they took a break? that they don't exist any longer, that we don't face this stuff any longer. This helps me in not hating people, that I think of people um, who are mentally held captive as spiritual captives. I'm not going to hate someone who's been kidnapped and has Stockholm syndrome. How could I? They're victims. I try to keep that in mind. And that's one of the things that uh, that I think is fascinating in these times in which we live, is there's two survivals. There is the ultimate survival. Um, this is the, the survival into heaven. And that requires us to not hate these people. But man, that's hard, given what they're doing. Then there's the survival of the mental war. And I couldn't believe I was in the United States of America doing this. Uh, but I used to start my radio program after the, the lockdowns were installed by checking reality with people. It was like a Hunger Games thing. I would start the show on Monday saying, okay, there's a virus. The virus is called SARS-CoV-2. It leads to COVID-19. This disease has a 99.87% survival rate. Here's what we know about masks. And I would level set every week 
to try to remind people there's a reality, there's material objective truth. So I have a link to your book um, in the podcast notes and the YouTube notes so people can get this because there is nowhere left to run. It's, it's just before I, I do a, a partner announcement, I want to ask you, if you sat with someone right now and you're on an elevator and you're headed up and you had one minute to say to them, here's mentally one thing you can do uh, to survive tyranny. What would you say to them in that, in that quick amount of time? Don't undervalue yourself. Mm. You've been taught to think you are stupid, that you you need other people to make decisions for you, that you need, that you want to see change made and that you have to wait for someone else at a federal level in a big uh, building somewhere else in the other part of the country to make these decisions for you because you don't matter. What you think doesn't matter. Those are all lies and they have been intentionally been instilled into you over decades through the media and education that you consume don't buy it remember where you come from you are a walking talking miracle take a look at my book i'll tell you 10 other steps in there and uh, you can download it free from my website yes, that's my pitch <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness i am so inspired talking to you can you stick with us for just a second and uh wrap this up a little bit i am so utterly inspired to be speaking with you it's amazing to get back to what I've been saying, but instinctually, I don't have your background. And to get back, I mean, say instinctually stick to this, but to not devalue yourself, that may be the most potent thing I've ever heard for fighting tyranny. My goodness. You know, Kay just said that one of the things that uh, people want to insult tyranny do is, of course, psychological, but also uh, financial. We need to talk about that. My friend Zach Abraham is the chief investments officer of Bulwark Capital Management. And he's a guy who comes on and says, and just this is right in line with what Kay just said. Hey, if you're in your 20s, mid 20s, early 30s, you probably don't need bulwark capital management. Max out the 401k and then some pay off debts, try to pay off the house, do that. But when you reach a certain point in life, the 40s or the 50s are really near retirement, you're in a risk zone. Because with what tyranny is being installed in central bank digital currencies and food shortages, and that's all for real. You need to have hedges upon hedges upon hedges to survive the chaos economy. So here's what I would invite you to do is to call Bulwark Capital Management at 866-779-RISK. It's 866-779-RISK. And just ask them to look at your portfolio and see if it's set up to survive the chaos economy. Uh, just a spoiler alert, if you're using the old 60-40 stock bond mix when the mobbed up entities like Goldman, et cetera, are getting 0% interest rate loans and, and causing the, uh, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury to conjure 360 billion bucks illegally to invest in corporate bonds illegally, uh, well, then you're probably not set up for the chaos economy. Just, just a hard fact. So call Bulwark Capital Management. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. And of course, you hear Zach here uh, every week on Fridays, knowyourriskradio.com. Remember this investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. What a pleasure. What a pleasure to be talking with Kay Rubacek, who has just given, I think, the most important advice in surviving tyranny. And what you're, what you're, what you've illustrated to me brings me back to another one of your works. And, and there's a link to the current book. Do get this. Download it. Get the audiobooks. It's so important. So this is something you can teach your children. 
You also wrote about something. I don't want to get too distracted from the current work, but you talked about the the walking dead in China. Um, I saw people in the COVID period doing ridiculous things. Voltaire told us, you know, if they can get you to commit, uh, you know, believe absurdities, they can get you to commit atrocities. And I looked at some of that behavior as the walking dead. Like you really think that thing on your face, walking into the restaurant and off at the table that you're protected. That was terrifying. Who are the walking dead in China? So when I gave that title to that book, I I didn't want to write that book. I sat on that information um, about dozens and dozens of hours of interviews with former Chinese Communist Party officials. Um, I interviewed them for a movie I did called Finding Courage, and I needed to talk to perpetrators who had carried out torture and brainwashing and really I needed someone who could tell me how could the regime be so cruel and they they told me all right, and they told me much more than I could have ever expected. I thought I was a bit of a China expert at the time, but my goodness, did they open my eyes? They told me one early early on in one interview, a former um, police uh, commissioner for the capital city of of uh, China in Beijing, he told me we've become like walking corpses, soulless bodies, walking flesh, and I'm hearing that going. I don't like this, and I. I don't, you know, as a director, I don't usually in, stop interviews like this, but I had to. I said to the translator, what is going on? Um, what is he talking about? She says, yes, this is correct. I said, okay, uh, could we use the term walking dead? She said, yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Because I thought, what can Americans understand? Like I can barely understand this and I've been studying this for decades. How do I express this to somebody? And so I had him keep speaking and then I, I uh Every time I interviewed someone else, a former army colonel, a former judge, a former uh, uh, secret national security agent, I asked them, have you heard of this term, the walking dead? Oh, yeah, of course we had. They had known this. The, The Chinese academics, when the Communist Party took over China, those who escaped and weren't corrupted, they looked from overseas and they said, our culture is going to die. It is going to become the walking dead. They said that in the 1950s. And so for, the, for those of you out there who have been saying for decades communism is a bad thing, you're right. You're, you're so right. And anyone that's told you that you're crazy, they're absolutely wrong. And you've got to stick to your guns and you know the facts and stick to the truth. And so in China, it is the worst Let's say it's the best example of the absolute worst that can happen because they've had 70 plus years of decades of children being educated under communist socialist agendas. Everything has been politicized. Here we're saying, oh no, our DOJ has been weaponized. Oh no, our this has been weaponized. In China, everything under the Communist Party is weaponized politicized from arts, culture, entertainment, um, business, you name it. And they've had 70 plus years of that. And the results, the psychological impact on the people has been devastating. They said to me, we are lives of grass. We are treated like trash. And that's why you see the, the COVID lockdowns throughout the nation still now. People say, why are the Chinese people willingly getting into those terrible looking boxes to quarantine themselves. They have just been beaten down so long. They've had their faith intentionally removed from them. And so they themselves 
said to me that they've become the walking dead. And I didn't want to publish this information until COVID hit. And I said, American people really need to know uh, what would be the worst case if we, um, if we were to succumb to this, this form of tyranny as well. Wow. Uh, that's, that's horrifying. And I'm picturing Australia. And I'm picturing the COVID containers they force people into in Australia. And and in an interview, I watched an unheard.com of a woman who was taken from her home um, because of a positive test. And, you know, the positive test, the PCR swindle, my audience is well familiar with the PCR test swindle. That woman was locked away in not quite a shipping container, but not much more than that. Um, I've said to people that to some degree, we're going to be taken Right, to pop culture reference, the movie Taken. Um, Liam Neeson's daughter is 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 kidnapped, and he tells her, "Honey, you're going to be taken. Remember every detail. Say everything you can to me." Now, how far we're taken, I, that's still in our control. Um, but tyranny, you know, tyranny being capricious and sneaky and psychological. How do we help those who are not yet taken? Because I've suggested to people that there needs to be triage. Okay, some people are gone right now. And that's unfortunate. Pray for them, ask that the Holy Spirit would, you know, would awaken them, that the Lord would draw them to himself. Um, therefore bringing back their, their ultimate value that the King of the universe loves them. And it did from the moment they were born and before they were born. How do we stop people who are leaning into this? We have a, a friend um, who's recently started using pronouns uh, for herself and started, and that came along with the Ukraine flag. And that came along then with the pride flag and, and this radical change and she's admitted, oh, I know it's a lie. I, 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 I know, but I'm being kind uh, when I lie to a girl and tell her she's actually a boy. I'm being kind. Okay, what do we do for the people who are not yet completely taken, um, but are, are starting to mentally give in? I think, as you said earlier, you, you know, it's hard to love these people, um, but, but we have to. It has to be tough love, too, because... Tyranny is vulnerable. Tyranny is absolutely vulnerable. And, you know, when you, when you, I I interviewed a a former propaganda official from China, the Chinese Communist Party, and he told me that they were trained and, and he didn't realize why at the time until he left, but they were trained that there's these two layers of skin. There's the outer layer of, of what they, of what the media is allowed to give to the public. And then there's the inner layer that the officials have to hide Um, because if the truth came out, this is his words, if the truth came out, the party, the communist party would be over in an instant. So when there is enough groundswell of truth, but really rational truth, not not violent or, or, or crazy conspiratorial type of irrational truth. We are rational people. We are so capable of rationality, but they want us to hate each other. And they really intentionally want to get us fired up, lose our cool so that we will become irrational. Maybe we'll do something crazy and then they'll, they'll pin it on us that maybe they're going to pin it on us anyway, regardless. We can't, we can't sit and be afraid of those things, whether, whether they're going to happen or not, but we have to really stay cool. And especially with those people who are, who are those who have fallen, they've been duped. You, you have to love them, but you have to stay cool and calm and just not give up on them. And you, you just can't expect them to change overnight because it, it's that thing of like, I am only right right now. In the future, I'm going to look back at what I'm saying and say, well, I've learned so much more. 
this is not the end of my learning, right? The end of my learning is, is once I've passed over to the future. But right now, I am constantly learning. And what I've learned, I can tell you what I've learned up to this point, but I'm still learning more. So to say that it's absolute and I know better than you, I know what's right for you, it's the biggest put off for a lot of these people because yeah. they say, well, I know what's right for you. And then we're both head right. to head. But when you have that really, you truly love that person from, from that compassion perspective, that the really truth that, but you, you, you hold to the truth and you don't budge on the truth, but you, you do it with that calm rationality, then you don't get caught in the hate debate because they want us to hate and they want us to be fired up and angry. And that's where we got to say, no, 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 I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to fall for that lie. I'm not going to fall into being an irrational person. I know the facts and no matter how, you know, okay, I'll hear you out, but show me the proof. And then let me, but let me show you mine. Yeah. And that's how I try to approach it. And really, you got to get back to the facts, truth. Like you said, you did that reset every Monday morning. This is where we're at, everybody. That's really wise. You keep everyone calm, but you give them the facts, hear them out, but prove it to me. Yeah. And then hear me. So well said, you know, I've, I've worked with families whose kids have been, had fallen into the, the so-called trans cult. Um, and the best advice that, that seems to work with kids is if you come up and slam your fist down and say, no, there's no such thing as transgender. No one's born in the wrong body. These things are all true. Um, but they found that the better path is planting seeds of doubt. And sometimes the planting seeds of doubt, I know a father had said to his, uh, his daughter once who'd fallen into the cult, he said, so what if I were to decide that I'm a 17 year old boy? Uh, I guess I could date some of your friends. And she said, oh, dad, that's so gross. And she said, everybody knows you're a 51 year old man. And he said, yes, yes, they do. And over a period of years of that sort of, 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 of doubt planting, uh, the Lord worked and the girl, thank God, was, was, you know, came out of that, that belief and now understands it was a swindle. So I've done this with people. Um, you know that credentialism or, or authoritarianism, a credentialism is uh, appeal to authority is the technique. Credentialism is another word for it. I trust the scientists. And I've had people say to me when I was on live radio, well, you'll forgive me if I'm not going to take my health advice from a radio DJ. Um, but I'll trust the scientists. And, and my favorite response to that was, okay, fair enough. So which scientists? What? Yeah, well, you said you'd trust the scientists. So which ones? And that's one way I get, think, I think we can get people to understand credentialism is a dead end. It has to come back to our own skepticism. And frankly, if we take everything hostage to the Lord, to Jesus, and we look at the Bible, we can come back with a lot more than you think. It's not just thou shalt not steal. There's a lot more to it. So as we wrap this up, what would you say to people in red states uh, in the United States? Oh, we're safe. We've, we've got conservative, we've got Ron DeSantis or, you know, we're safe. We've got our guns. I'm, I'm broad, you know, I'm, I'm talking to UK right now from the high mountains of free America, North of Idaho and everyone around me is armed and we've all got survival foods and we've got greenhouses and deer and, and fish. I don't feel safe from this. So what do you say to people in red states? Well, there's, there's two parts to it, isn't it? There's those who are saying, well, look who we've put into power and, and they're doing just fine. Well, are you really performing your civic duty? 
Mm. as, you know, freedom comes with a price and tyranny comes with a price too. They both have a high price in my opinion um, and, and we know that from history. And with freedom you got to pay earlier and but you get you get it later right you get the payoff later but with tyranny you pay you pay later and you pay hard and you don't get it back so you you got to decide is where where do you draw the line do you draw the line around your home yes you should protect your family you should strengthen your family your communities your home your however you you want to if you want to go off the grid and all of those things, that's great. But where do you draw the line for the, the future and how, how far are you looking ahead? Are you just looking over to there and saying, okay, well, we've got you in power. Um, I'm happy with that. Now I can go back to my day to day and forget. We are in a, we're in a really in a, a very important historic time. This is a, st- a spiritual battle. Where are you, where are you placing your, yourself and where is your civic duty? So I, I think, you know, we have to think about freedom. We really have to think about what that means. And you cannot just say it and say, oh, I, I'm good. Yeah, I've got a yeah. T-shirt that has freedom on it. I'm good. <laughs> it doesn't cut it anymore yeah. because you have to look at what's happening with your kids and what's happening. You know, the state, they want to destroy borders, right? That's what happens with um uh, tyranny with communism, socialism, globalism, they destroy borders. So states are not protected either. You really have to think of the future of humanity beyond color of skin yeah. and all of that nonsense. You know, just human beings, where do you place yourself at this historic time? And I say you pay for freedom and, and that's, that's, you know, that's your choice. Okay, I have talked to a lot of people uh, in decades in media and several decades prior to that in tech. I don't know that I've ever come away uh, in such a quick conversation with the knowledge that I have talked now with a woman um, who is so deeply expert uh, in breadth and depth, and but also gifted by God with an ability to communicate this in ways that have been so clear. Um, and you began it with the mental, you're ending it with the mental and the, and the kinetic action and the voting and the civic duty. Uh, I'm so touched and I'm so thankful for you and your work. And uh, the book is linked in the podcast notes, um, Nowhere Left to Run, 10 Steps to Surviving Tyranny. Get it. Uh, consume it, share it, and look at the rest of Kay's, uh, uh, Kay's work, which is also linked in the podcast and YouTube notes. And Wow. Uh, I'd love to have you back. Um, and I just ask that you go with God's good grace. And just thank you so much, Kay, for, for using your gifts. Th- thank you, Todd. And if, if I may, you know, they, they are gifts. We all have gifts. And you have to recognize where they come from. And, you know, I'm a creative person and yeah. at art school I was, I was brainwashed to think that socialism was the way to go and that I was, I was smarter or more creative or you should be creating something. And what I learned is that creativity is, you know, in, in ancient Greek and uh, Chinese culture there was no word for creativity because anything that you got, you knew where it came from. It came from God. Yeah. It came from the divine. And that's what I, I think, you know, I, I remind myself every day and, and I think if we get back to that, then, you know, you have a responsibility to use the gifts you have. And I'm like, okay, it's not always easy for me to talk, but um, that's, it's my duty and, and, and it is a gift and I know where it comes from. And I, I think it, I know everyone has those gifts because you are a walking miracle, just, just living and breathing as you are. So, um, yes, thanks for mentioning that. I do, I do want to give the credit to uh, where it needs to be placed. Wow. Just when I thought I, I could wrap this up. I just want to follow up on that real quick. (laughs) 
That's okay. That's okay. It's a podcast. We can go a little long. Just one, one question. Okay. Just real quick. What was the awakening moment? Uh, you said you were in art school. You were smart. Uh, socialism hadn't been tried by the really smart people yet. Uh, do you remember the moment or was it gradual uh, where you realized, oh my goodness, um, I'm wrong. I've been wrong. I, you know, I couldn't explain to my family why I quit art school. I, I am a, a proud dropout of, of college uh, indoctrination, socialist college indoctrination. I'm going to get that on a mug. Yeah. Um, and, and, and because I, I, something was wrong. You know, the moment was when I was getting top grades, top high distinction grades for making trash. And, and my friends who were mostly mature age students were painting these beautiful, beautiful artwork that looked like stuff, real stuff, failing all of them failing. And at some point, a friend of mine was making very um, dark, you know, taking heads off dolls and, and painting them black and stringing them up and getting top marks. And I'm thinking, that's what they want me to do. This is what my college students uh, want me to do. I'm either going to go crazy and be really good at this um, or, or, I, or, you know, what's my choice? I'm going to have to be a designer or something. I'm like, no, I want to do art, but I can't do art this way. This is not yeah. true art. And, and that was the awakening moment. It was hard to explain to people because I didn't have the knowledge then, you know, 25 years ago that I have now while I've actively been trying to learn and understand that process. But that was the awakening moment when I thought, no, it's not right to re to reward um, this really it was really demonic and or, or just ridiculous marketing type art. I was being trained to be a marketer rather than an artist, and all the true artists right in front of me were all failing. And uh, and I thought, no, I I don't want to stay here. I want to keep my mind. I want to keep my sanity, and I want to keep my faith. Mm. And uh, I left and took a journey. Wow. <laughs> Okay, so I'll just tell you, you're, you're the, also the first college dropout I've met. Um, not I've met many college dropouts, but who views it the way I view it. I'm also a proud college dropout, <laughs> and in my case, community college. And my dropping out was gradual. Football ended, and I realized I... I didn't really like school, but I liked playing football. And then I had a debate with my political science teacher, uh, professor, and he said something just blatantly ridiculous about communism. And I asked him a very simple question, which was, hey, you know, Professor, he asked us, call him his first name, Professor Rudy, if it works, why doesn't it work? And he got hey. angry and he got red faced and he said, it takes a long, long time to change people and to get people to stop thinking of themselves and to think of the collective. And I said, that's interesting because the United States is the youngest country on earth and it is also the most philanthropic. We give more money on an official and unofficial basis than anyone. And that's adjusted for income and, and, and it's adjusted for that. So how again is it that it doesn't work when you say it works? And he started flunking my papers. And that was it. I realized, my goodness, that poor man. <laughs> He's a community college professor and he just got, he couldn't stand the, the tiniest bit of scratching against his theory. It drove him nuts. So, okay. Uh, listen, I, I better thank you for your time because uh, listen, I could talk to you for another six hours and I know you don't have that time. 
the book is linked and the website is linked and you are welcome back anytime you just pop a note and, and you're on. And if you ever come to the free mountains of North Idaho, come and meet the family. We'll, we'll, we'll go hang out. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Coming up, Scott Cleveland is a guy who's not supposed to be running uh, for the Senate, but he is against a shiny shoe professional Republican, grade A shiny shoe professional Republican. It's part of our Red State Firewall series. Now that Kay's reminded us, we're not safe in these states. It's been a while since I've updated you on Young Allen from Allen's Artisan Soaps. You guys were kind enough to provide a lot of prayer uh, for our young friend. He is now 12 years old, and he is the chief soap officer at Allen's Artisan Soaps. And it's not, a, it's not an ornamental title. He works there every single day this, despite uh, these ongoing health challenges, which are mechanical and structural. It's not just being high on the autism scale. He went through another surgery, <clears throat> spinal and it's had some great results. He's taller, walks more upright, uh, but he faces a lifetime of this. And it's so remarkable that he has such joy. And I'm going to tell you that the joy he has is a lot of it's from the soap company. And we're entering now what in November and people begin thinking about how to recognize the and celebrate the, uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus on Christmas Day. Well, I don't think there's any better way than to celebrate one of his children. And yes, John and his family are discipled Christians. But it can't be just because of that. It has to be because of the soap and the quality of the soap. So it's three generations of family expertise in soap making that drive the soap. It's the unique sense and understand it's all natural. It's all small batch. Alan works on every one of them. Uh, and you can't get this anywhere else. You go to alansoaps.com slash Todd. You're going to get 10% off there of everything when you use my name, Todd, C-O-D-D, allensoaps.com slash Todd, and use my name as a promo code, 10% off of everything. Start it with the soaps and the washcloths and all the other things there, the packages, the Herminator gift pack, subscription packs, but I don't know that there's a better way um, to honor the fact that all lives matter and the Lord loves all of us and all of us are uniquely gifted. It's allensartisansoaps.com, allensoaps.com slash Todd. Scott Cleveland joins me on the Todd Herman Show. Hey, it's great to be on. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, my wife uh, saw you speak at right. uh, Life Coffee with some friends of ours, and she pulled rank as the wife and said, you're having them on. Um, so I, I'm excited to do it uh, because I know that she puts a great deal of weight on uh, assessing people as truly conservative. So uh, you made it through the wife test. Right. So welcome on, man. appreciate you. That's good. It was a pleasure to visit with her, and it's great to be on your show. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. I always uh, start with the same two questions for office holders or people seeking office. Uh, it's just a level set for me, and I start with, who is Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I'm a follower. I'm a believer. Uh, my wife, Kathy, and I have even had the pleasure and distinction of visiting the Holy Land with our church group about five years ago. It's quite a place. Good. And is there a difference between being a uh, Jesus follower and someone who believes in Jesus? Uh, yes, I, I think there is a difference. Uh, uh, you know, it's one thing to have uh, uh, the belief system ingrained in you. Um, I, I certainly have that. Uh, 
I never underestimate the power of Jesus Christ. I've seen him perform miracles in my life, and uh, uh, that's uh, that's the belief system that my wife Kathy and I both share. It's okay. It's wonderful to hear, and, and God is so good. And um, I also ask people like you, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why would you put up signs? Why would you knock on doors? Uh, why would you volunteer to go work in Babylon? Right. Sure. Well. Uh, I look at it very simply. You know, America is still great, but it's clearly headed in the wrong direction. Uh, as you know, uh, Todd, I'm a regular guy. I've never held public office. I've never run for office. But my parents raised uh, patriots. My brother and I are both patriots. And we look at the direction of the country and we say, you know what? Uh, the reason that's happening is these career politicians like my opponent, Mike Crapo, uh, they are failing miserably at serving the best interest of everyday average Idahoans. And, and I'm resolved to do something about that. And we've been doing a lot of work for almost a year now. And running as an independent conservative is no small feat. Uh, but I'm humbled and honored to serve the good people of this country, including the citizens of Idaho, because they deserve much better than what we've been getting. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, um, oh. I think the thing about Crapo is he, to me, is he is the perfect professional Republican. And, you know, he's the senator from here, one of the senators. And I, I, I characterize him this way, that a professional Republican, if you ask them, what do you do for a living? If they were honest with you, they would say, I Republican. And so you might say, okay, so what does that mean? Do you back individual liberties and say, try to protect kids from, you know, getting uh, chemically or surgically tr you know, transed and, and mutilated? And a, a professional Republican say, not really, there's, there's not much money in that. So we kind of concentrate on tax rates and, and, uh, and lower regulation if they were honest, you know, whatever it takes to Republican. Uh, how do you characterize Crapo? Is that, is that an accurate description of the man? Well, absolutely. I mean, Senator Crapo has been in office for almost 40 years now, and he's beholden to lobbyists and special interest groups. If you don't believe that, you can verify it yourself real quick by just signing on to the Federal Election Commission website. You can look at the donors of any candidate for office, including Senator Crapo. And what you'll discover in his case, he's got about $6 million in his campaign coffers, and 98% of that funding comes from outside of Idaho, 98%. He's funded by the likes of Bill Gates, Pfizer, Facebook, Google, the evil empire. You go right down the list. So uh, it doesn't take much of an imagination to understand where his loyalties lie. And it's reflected in his voting record. Where does he live? Well, I, I don't know where he lives, but I know he doesn't spend much time in Idaho. I'll, can, I'll say that he doesn't live in Idaho very much because uh, when he's in Washington, he's on duty. I get that. He's supposed to be there. When he's off duty and the Senate's not in session, he spends a great deal of time in Washington. And when he's not in Washington, uh, he spends uh, the remainder of his time pretty much in Utah, where his wife and 17 grandkids live. You will, you will never run into Senator Mike Crapo in your life in the state of Idaho. You'll never run into him at the grocery store, the dry cleaner, or the gas station. He doesn't live in Idaho any more than Liz Cheney lives in Wyoming. I like to call him the Liz Cheney of Idaho. He um, still, I think, uh, Crapo still goes around calling himself a Trump Republican, or at least I've heard him uh, mention that, oh, I was endorsed by President Trump. Uh, but I don't see much America first from the yeah. man. No, in fact, he's a, he's a never Trumper. I, I will remind the public that just before the 2016 election, he pulled his support for Donald J. Trump just before the uh, presidential election. Uh, and you know what? He still uses an outdated Trump endorsement, and that's all fine and good. But uh, 
for the record, he is a never Trumper. And if it were up to Senator Mike Crapo, we'd have never had Donald J. Trump as our president in the first place. And in, in your plan to get back to the Senate, I mean, you would go back against a whole team of Crapos. Um, you would go back, you know, where Mitch McConnell runs things and decides what bills come to the floor. Um, we don't really have a Senate. We have a we have, you know, Pelosi and we've got McConnell because of the way they've shifted power to the uh, speaker and the majority leader. Uh, how do you get anything done back there? And if you can get it done, what do you want to get done? Well, uh, as a senator, even from a small population state like Idaho, as one of 100 people casting votes and bringing forth legislation, ultimately you have the same amount of power. And if you notice what's going on in Congress right now, uh, the Senate is evenly divided. We have 50 Republicans and 50 Democrats and the president, uh, vice president breaks the tie. So I expect that that parity to be very, very close even after these midterm elections. So one independent-minded senator such as myself would hold a great deal of power because the vote is going to remain very, very close. Now, for the record, Todd, I was a lifelong Republican until just two years ago. I've never been a Democrat. I've never voted for a Democrat. And the reason I'm running as an independent conservative is mostly out of strategy. You cannot beat these career politicians running in the primary as in the same party. That's why I ran as an independent. Now, what do you get done back there? Well, there's nothing stopping you from bringing forth competing legislation with what's on the table already. Right now, you hear uh, Senator Crapo lament all the damage that the Biden administration is doing to our country. Uh, And he's voting on bills and he says, well, you have to vote for all this pork in order to get the good stuff. Well, that, that's a bunch of nonsense. There's nothing stopping a sitting United States senator from bringing standalone bills before that body and, and asking them, uh, here's your chance. You can vote for the one with pork or you can vote for the one without pork. And then we'll see, we'll force these people on record to see exactly where their politics lie. Well, that's a great way to put it. And, and we've got a couple minutes left with you. Uh, it's clevelandforsenate.com is the website, by the way, for Scott uh, Cleveland. Uh, what, is your, what are your top three priorities in terms of legislation uh, that you would push in the Senate? Okay. Well, our country has a lot of big problems going on. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news that, is that many of these problems that we're facing, serious problems, are self-inflicted problems. They're deliberate uh, and also reversible. I'll use an example of inflation. The number one issue before voters today is this crushing inflation. And where did that come from? It comes from the reckless spending that Washington keeps doing. We're at $31 trillion in debt and climbing rapidly. Uh, When Senator Crapa was first elected to office, the debt was only $4 trillion. It's gone up 667% since he's been in office. Our, our government cannot just keep printing money out of thin air. And this happened under both the Trump administration and the Biden administration. They printed $7 trillion with a T. Do you know how many zeros are in a trillion? It's 12. That's a lot of zeros. And when that, when that happens, the dollar you had in your pocket yesterday is worth more because there's now seven more printed. And that is crushing the middle class. It's, it's crushing young people trying to afford rent or a, a house payment, uh, our senior citizens on a fixed income. And so how do you solve that problem? Well, the power of the purse lies in the legislative branch. We cannot vote for any more reckless spending. Uh, raising the debt ceiling, that's got to stop. Sending money to Ukraine, that's got to stop. 
we have plenty of money to go around in this country. We're just not aiming it at the right at the right people. The second thing that's a pressing issue is our border, our southern border. I'm from New Mexico originally, Todd, and and this place is being invaded. This country is being invaded deliberately by people, uh, drug runners bringing fentanyl, sex traffickers, tra child trafficking, unvetted potential terrorists from Middle Eastern countries, and that is deliberate. That border has got to be closed immediately. Now, how do you do that as a sitting senator? Well, my answer is this. Every six months, they insist on raising our debt ceiling. Well, the next time I'm, when I'm in office and they come around and say, let's talk about raising the debt ceiling, my answer is gonna be no. We're not talking about money until you secure the Southern border to my satisfaction. Once that's done, then we can start talking about money a little bit. Lastly, the energy policy. We have enough oil and gas in the Permian Basin, which is West Texas and New Mexico, to supply the energy needs of the entire country for 200 years, 200 years. And we can drill that oil, it's on American soil, let's drill that oil and bring energy prices down. And when energy prices come, uh, come down, so does inflation. Got it. Well said. Um, and let me just ask you a closing question about this. I, I, I heard you mention Pfizer as one of the backers of, sure. of Crapo. Um, is Tony Fauci an honest man? No, he's a criminal. <laughs> I kind of thought we'd agree on that. Something told me we'd agree on that, Scott. Um, I think those guys, there's, if, if Definitely. Republicans take the House and the Senate, the one thing I would tell you guys is you're going to have to go um, full force into investigation because the figurehead Biden will still have the White House full force in the investigation and bringing these people and making them testify, mm -hmm. making them get under oath, make them plead the fifth, show them for what they are. And that is exactly sure. uh, if, if that doesn't happen, then the next time there's an election, those guys are still there. They're still running things. And these technocrats are a major problem for us. So I appreciate you coming on. I always ask people to go with God's good grace. So sure. please do go with God's good grace. If we remake the country, it comes from people like Scott who seek to serve and not be served, who seeks to tell the truth to powerful people who've been granted an opportunity to been they've been allowed to steward leadership and this is how they treat it it's a great sign that that's happening this is the todd herman show please go be well be strong be kind and let's just pray prayers of protection on people like scott who are in fact popping their necks up their heads up where necks tend to get cut off may god bless him and protect him and others like him